0: Welcome to Movies, Charles Hasn't Seen, Episode 87. My name is Crossan. I'm Wilson. And I'm Charles. Each week, Wilson and I share a classic movie we have seen with Charles that he hasn't seen. This week, we watch the 1961 movie, Yojimbo. So, Charles, tell us about it.
1: In uh, Edo period Japan, a wandering ronin finds himself in a town where two rival gangs have taken over. He decides that he wants to stay and uh, see what he can do about the town's situation. So he starts off by playing the gangs against each other and seeing who's gonna pay him more to hire his capabilities, because he's a very capable warrior. But later he finds out that one of the gangs has kidnapped someone's wife and uh, used her to gain power. And he's, you know, very bothered by this and decides to try to free the wife. But after doing so, the gang finds out what he did, uh, captures him and beats him up, and since he blamed the rival gang for letting her go, they also destroy the other gang. But then later he manages to escape, heals up, and he comes back and he defeats the one remaining gang and there's no there's no crime there's no bosses left, left <laughs> in the city. <laughs> crime is he, solved. He's, he's done his job.
2: <laughs> so this was my pick, do uh, you, Jimbo? I've been wanting to do a Kurosawa movie for a long time. He's just really one of the most important directors ever period Um, and this is I think probably his most accessible movie despite being a later in his career um, that that this one came along but I think you can see the experience uh, in the film itself and I think this movie is just great it's fun to watch like the performances are a blast it's it's beautiful to look at Um, it moves along at a good pace despite being a you know 50-year-old movie with subtitles, um, which is off-putting to some people. So, yeah, I'm, I think that this is a good entry point to Kurosawa, um, and I think it's just generally a good movie. Uh, what do you think about this one, Crossman? Yeah, love it. Yeah, it's a classic.
0: Uh, it's way ahead of its time in its depiction of action and violence and storytelling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the images. way it's shot yeah. is incredible. You could see the influences
2: all over the place in yeah, filmmaking. Both, both before and since.
0: Yeah, yeah, some more direct than
2: others. Yeah, like Kill Bill comes to mind. Well, I mean, it lifts lines directly from this movie. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. totally. Really? Yeah. So, at towards the end of this movie, and action scenes, and scenes. Yeah, yeah. So, towards the end of this movie, Yojimbo, the you know samurai with no name, the Mufuni character, uh, tells that kid that children shouldn't play with swords, and the. Bride in Kill Bill One has that exact same line. Uh, okay. Like when she she has that sequence where she like cuts that guy's sword over and over again, and it's this little scared kid, and he, it, she delivers that line to him after okay. doing that and tells him to go home. Um, so yeah, yes, Tarantino just lifted lifted that sequence wholesale. Yeah.
1: I mean, the thing here. that stood out most to me is you can tell that Star Wars <clears> took a lot of influence from this movie, um, because like, you know, this movie heavily uses that kind of wipe cut that you see in every sure. Star Wars movie. Um, and the scene where he shows off his skills first, uh, and he defeats some of the bodyguards, and you see the arm cut off, that's yep. just straight-lifted uh, in uh, Episode four.
2: Yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. So, yeah, the influences are everywhere. And then, of course, Kurosawa did Throne of Blood, upon which New Hope is based. Like, just oh, yeah. the, the plotting, beat for beat. And, like, and George Lucas is on record saying that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, the massively influential film.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a blast. And it's fun to watch. Yeah, yeah it's um, amazingly well-paced for its time period. It feels like a contemporary film. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I didn't felt like it was plotting at all. A lot of action, a lot of... Uh, I don't know, it, the dialogue is, like, goofy, but feels realistic mm-hmm. for what we're watching. It's not, like, overly concerned with, like... Being correct to the time period, no, yeah, yeah, and I don't know Uh, how
2: much of that is the translation, uh, and how much yeah, and that you will never know. He was uh, he was busting out turns of phrase like he's gonna uh, bust heads. at one point he says that, and it's like I don't know how well that translates both from 1961 and from Japanese.
0: That's fair, but the way the characters react to being what's said feels like the translation is like correct enough. Um, Mm Yeah. Did I you get the spirit of what's yeah. being said, I guess? Yeah, were you into this, Charles, or...?
1: Um, unfortunately, I felt like I had a hard time no. getting into it. It was <laughs> really? a combination yeah. of many factors, so, yeah. like... That's shocking to me. Yeah, Yeah, I don't yeah. know, like... It being subtitled didn't help. Um, being black and white didn't help. Oh, I love the black and white. You know, all these things kind of combined the, like... I, it felt like uh, I had trouble, like, following all the dialogue just because I'd be processing what was going on, and then, like... In the process of doing that, I would miss a few lines and then like lose track of what was going on.
0: There is a lot of like back and forth that is important. Like the the our. Hero is constantly playing both sides, yes. and that is difficult to track yeah. at well, times. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that it's, happens. It's a difficult lot. to track like who's with. Yeah, another who
1: challenge at I had moments, was yeah. differentiating the different names that were being mentioned. Oh yeah, uh, I didn't. I didn't get a feel for who was who until the second half of the at, movie, and by then at, he'd already played both sides multiple times. Am I wrong that the,
0: either side the names are also similar? Like Some one is the, like well, the two rival gang N, one names. Is with like a K, but like in the middle, it's like a T name, but the center of the name is different. Yeah, there are yeah. similarities. The, the main yeah. gang yeah. names
1: are actually yes. very different. Yeah. But, like, they but the, each, like the lords are, have yeah, similar they, names. Yeah, the lords had almost the exact yeah. same names, so yes, I, that's like, what it was. I just lost that for a while. I didn't figure that out. Well, I mean, which uh, I, is
2: probably by design. I've,
0: right? I've seen this before, and I also had trouble tracking, like, who are we with at the moment.
2: Right. Well, yeah. and he has that bit at the beginning where he meets the uh... Restaurant owner, or yeah. cook, or whoever it is, and he really just like that guy just states exactly what's going on. He just lays out you know, the the plot up until now, and like if yeah. you miss anything in there, like yeah. the movie really counts on you paying attention. Right. To well, that it's another
1: one of those things it. where um, what was that previous movie uh, where like we just saw it a little bit ago, but where I felt it would it would help if they showed like. Who was being talked about while oh, they were the talking about the sting? Yes, there we go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so if they had done like the modern movie thing where they could show, you know, who they were referring to during the the exposition, that would help us latch on to who's who. Um, that's another problem with it being black and white too. Is it'd be very obvious if you made each gang wear a different color. Yeah. Um, to figure out who's who, and they don't have the ability to do that in a black and white film.
0: Yeah. If we did the like. Home in a jersey, it would have. <laughs> yeah, it would have exactly. been very easy to track what's going on. Right, it's a very small detail that would change a lot in yeah, terms mean, of like being able to follow. Yeah,
2: you transition any movie from black and white to color, and it's gonna, it's gonna be a different experience. Yeah. Um. So no, I hear, I hear the point, right? Like, and the movie it, it. relies on you picking up small points of detail to, to follow everything. That said, it's also such a visually driven movie, right? Like, so much of the narrative moving forward is communicated to you just with images such that, it, I think it kind of, sometimes doesn't matter if you know exactly what's going on. Because I remember when, when the first time I watched this movie, I certainly didn't pick up on all the various beats and moves that mm-hmm. these parties are making. But you get the larger sequence that like, the Mifuni character is playing them, these guys are kind of buffoons, that they are rivals for some reason, this guy loves his wife and she was taken away. Like, as long as you get, I, I feel like if you get the broad strokes here, that the details—it's not that they don't matter, but that you can appreciate the movie without like getting them all right away.
0: Yeah. read-on it could be just that like both of these gangs are bad, so we don't need like right. a true differentiation between them. Sure. Because like the character is just trying to mess with both of them. Right. Which is
2: exactly what the movie is telling us.
0: Yeah. yeah. Yes, but but also it it is sometimes difficult to like locate w- where we are in the like current politic of <laughs> the Who's scene allied with who and yeah all that.
2: yeah no I yeah I get that. Um, but also, I think that it's just kind of not that important a lot of the time. Like, mm-hmm. really, what, what you're watching this movie for is Mufune, because he's just a fucking rock star. And yeah. just.
0: This is the main character, Yojimbo. Yeah. yeah.
2: Who, who's working. The Samurai. I, I mean, he is. Yeah. There are a few actors more closely tied with a specific director than Mufune and, and Kurosawa. He appears in in Rashomon, he's in Seven Samurai, he's in. Um, I think he's in Stray Dogs, he's in uh, Throne of Blood, I'm fairly certain. Like. This is just a, a very frequent star of of Kurosawa's movies, and for good reason. Like the yeah. dude is great, right? Yeah. He is he's riveting. Like every time he's on screen, um, and so I think that like really you're here for him because at this point he's he's pretty well known, um, and you're here for just to see Kurosawa shoot a movie, like just to see how he composes his shots, and like that stuff is. Is there whether or not you know who is allied with who at any given moment?
0: I, there's so many striking shots of the film. The the ones the western-inspired ones seem to be. T- t- I love that where you straight see the, the long yep. the long street and you see one guy at one end, one guy at the other.
1: Yep. Right. It's just yep. it's straight
0: out, just out of High like, Noon. Yeah. Yes. This is like. <laughs> yeah. This is what great filmmaking is. Yeah. yeah. It's a, or uh, th- go ahead. Another great shot is when we introduce the uh, the gunslinger character. Mm-hmm. Um, and he like looks up at a bell and like shoots at it. And uh-huh. the, the way the camera's angled the t- right framing, there. Yeah, it's so great. Yeah, and it's, it's just like
2: this low angle shot looking up at him and you have him lit. Like, it, it looks like a natural lighting there. It's, yeah, it's And beautiful. so
0: memorable for that character. Mm-hmm. It's like, there's no reason to make him shoot at that bell. Right. Uh, but it's just like every, it cool. it's everything <laughs> to we'll that character. He's showing off, you know? It, yeah. Like, it shows his competence, it shows his like random, like, a random act of violence that this Mm -hmm. character's willing to do for no reason. Right, well, and it it
2: introduces... Because you also see um, everybody else's reaction to it, right? Yeah. Because up until that point, there had been no firearms in this movie. Yeah. And so you see him make that move and fire at the gun, and then you see everybody else, like, holy shit. Shit just got real. That dude has a (laughs) gun, right?
0: Yeah. And it's such an odd detail in what you, like, up to that point, is a samurai film, right? Where it's like, okay, we're just, like, we're going to do a sword. Thing. Yeah. Well, he brings I mean, in
1: the revolver. He's bringing in the West, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Suddenly, suddenly, there's a guy. In, <laughs> and
1: it's a guy with a gun. He's a cowboy. Uh huh. Yeah.
2: Uh-huh. And, and again, a, a nod to Kurosawa's Western influence, obviously. Yeah. Um, but also a nod to this film's is, in turn on the West, uh, which is really its legacy at this point. Is that, it, like, like you pointed out, has all these Western shots, like the the one looking down the. Town with the fortress on one end, the other fortress on the other end. That's just high noon. Period. That's yeah. straight out of that mm-hmm. movie. Um, Good,
0: but but done better, right? Yeah. Because like a western film like this could be shot in a similar way, and we saw um, searchers, searchers, right? But searchers, the plotting is like very slow. It's meant to be like let's look at the landscape, and we're you know we're in the hunt, and it's a long period of time is passing.
2: Right. Well, and this movie like, is just like
0: yeah. Like it goes, it, mm-hmm. it's paced so well. Yeah, and and so it feels go. so contemporary because of that. Like for 1961, this is a fast movie. Yeah, it, yeah. Feels,
2: it feels like a, very much an action movie.
0: Yeah, although like if there's so much like unnecessary stuff that's not here. Yep, and that is great. Well, I felt it, like yeah. part of
1: the problem for me is that yeah. because I was a bit lost, it felt slow to me because I didn't understand the significance of what was happening mm-hmm. uh, at a given moment for a lot of the movie Uh, because my impression of the movie is there's lots of scenes where he's just kind of hiding out and constantly opening the flap of that wall right that happens a lot in the movie and that's like my the thing I remember most and those shots like I don't know if those shots were that interesting they felt very claustrophobic because he's like just stuck in this tiny little hut right and they just didn't they didn't land with me
2: so what I like about Kurosawa's use of that and like the bars or the slats I guess on the, the windows and the doors is that he would construct a lot of leveled shots out of that. So you would have multiple stories happening within a single frame, right? So you see it at the beginning of the film when you have, you're inside that like homesteader's hut, and he is talking to his wife, and you you're looking out the window, and you have Mafuni character like getting his drink of water, right? And it's a simple thing, but it's like here's these two actions happening at the same time on different levels. Um, same thing when uh, Mufuni is in the, the again, towards the beginning of the film, when he is listening in on the people conspiring to, um, to murder him, to betray him after they, he agrees to, to work for them. And you have him listening into that conversation, and you have all these women that work there, prostitutes, I think. Um, listening, to, li- looking at him listening and reacting to him listening, right? So you have like these multiple levels while the, the sound information there is the actual conspiracy coming together. So I, I get this sense of even in interior space is Kurosawa using the wide frame so well and like delivering a lot of information visually. Um, in in that space, and I think you you see that with the slats too, where you have this one perspective, but you see exactly how the town is laid out from this restaurant right and you see a lot of information in in one screen um so it, i I like that about the movie yeah he's he knows how to put together a shot, yeah, he yeah. really does <laughs> he really does uh, it, i mean i there are so many examples right but like another one when the um the guy from edo Edo shows up um to like Halt the gang war briefly. You have Mufune in the restaurant, the slats open, you're looking through the slats at the meeting happening across the street. Again, like there's so much motion and activity in these shots, and it makes them feel so active. And I think you can think about alternative ways that Kurosawa could have delivered that information or framed that shot that would have been a lot less lively, right, with just less motion in the, 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 mm-hmm. the frame. And so I think he uses those those slats that you're talking about to that effect, like make these levels within the shot. That makes sense.
0: Yeah. Uh, The violence in this movie is is pretty extreme. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Dismemberment. (laughs) Yeah. And you can um, that comes out of nowhere too. Because we don't really see. uh,
2: And then you don't see it again.
0: Yeah. Yeah, which is kind of neat. But the threat is like. Yep. There. Yeah, because
2: that happens in the first, like, 25 minutes or so.
0: Yeah. Um, and lots of, like, blood spurting <laughs> in <this film>. <laughs>
1: Yeah. <laughs> yes. And you can see the... Like when the brother's friend gets killed in the alleyway, mm-hmm. and you can see the huge blood splatter behind him. Yeah. yeah
2: you can see the...
0: I, I remember... So I, I saw Kill Bill before I saw this movie. Me too. And mm-hmm. I remember finding the very similar blood splatter in Kill Bill shocking when I first saw it. Yeah, vibrant red. And then, unknown to me, this is from 1961. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Where, yeah, there's, there's some like real like gushing violence. Yeah, know, definitely.
2: Film. Like and and like lingering wounds as well. Like like towards the end of the movie when our our hero is captured, like he has like a pretty gnarly black eye and cuts on his face for a while. Like he's clearly disheveled, and like nobody does disheveled better than Mufune. <laughs> and and like, the hair, the huge, hair is like huge, huge, right? Yeah. Um. So yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Like this movie is strikingly violent.
0: And one of the reasons it felt so contemporary, yeah, it was just like.
1: Well, one of my yeah. issues with the action in this movie was that I couldn't always tell when he was actually hitting someone with his sword, because like the way it was choreographed, sometimes it didn't look like he actually connected with it, or it looked like. You know, he was hitting them with a wooden stick because obviously he's not slashing them with a sword. Um, So it wasn't always apparent, like, what exactly was happening. Like, you can tell that they're trying to represent that he's slashing them with a sword, but it didn't always really look like that. It didn't feel convincing to me. Um, And that's, I guess, another reason that I didn't super get into that.
2: Yeah, I I mean, I I guess they they just didn't have the technology at the time. And and you kind of have to let that ride. I also, like, I don't
0: think it's the raid either. In what sense? The raid is, like, when you see the action in the raid it looks very real yes. but i think it's incredibly tightly choreographed mm-hmm. and I, I don't think the same level of like choreography is yes. happening here yeah um, like
2: he's he's arkusawa when it comes to his action sequences he's thinking i think on a very large scale yeah and less so about the intimate details of like what move, what precise move you're making at any given moment
0: yeah and i think like the actors in the raid you know they're trained martial mm-hmm. artists and the, and the movie is meant to like show off their skill yeah and it, that's and i don't think that's the point yeah he, here. I, I think our main character is you know he's not like he's an actor first yeah he's not a swordplay martial artist yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah he's not um, um well, which I, I agree with charles like that i definitely felt the same way where you didn't see the like connections I, l- I like the like aftermath that they show but it doesn't it, it's it's not it, it was, it's confusing at first because it it looks like they're not connecting
2: yeah right which um, is probably why he has to do the dismemberment at the beginning of the film yeah right like to show that like, yes this is doing real damage to people yeah. here it is right um, but yeah he, I think he's more concerned with like moving masses of people like he's always been very good at that like you see that in Ran as well which was uh, based on King Lear you want to talk about influences um, <laughs> but like when he when uh, our hero gets like the two gangs out into the street and climbs up on top of that, like I mean, something like a bell tower, I guess. And y- you get that shot from his perspective up there and you see the movement of these large groups back and forth across this space. Like, that was a funny scene. Yeah, it, it is a funny scene, but it's also a, a, such a well-designed scene. Um, and that's where I think you see, uh, in a man with a director that's so full of strengths, like that's one of his best strengths, is that controlling those large groups on a large scale. Um, He did that really well. Um, And he he still managed to find space to do that in this movie that takes place essentially on one street (laughs) for Mm -hmm. the entire film.
0: I like how there's sort of like an impotence to each side where they're like threatening each other, but they don't want to like actually engage in combat.
2: Right. Um, Which is
0: kind of comical. It is. Out of context is is comical. Right. Well in context. Yeah. (laughs) In
2: in, in comparison to uh, the the samurai character who is very eager to take, he's very ready to take action, right? Like he is moving things along, he is moving things forward, he is putting himself at risk and then you contrast him with essentially everybody else in the movie who's very fearful and very afraid to take any kind of risk or to move yeah. any kind of anything forward. Well, until they get angry, I guess. Right, yeah, until, Yeah. exactly. Until the, uh, stuff in,
1: escalated really quickly in this yeah, movie. Yeah, or
2: until they feel they have a very significant advantage, like, you know, a gun. When nobody else has a gun. Sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well,
0: I've, I've read... Um this is more specific to like uh, European history. I, I don't know about Japan, mm-hmm. but I've, I've <clears> read that what we think of for like medieval battles as mm-hmm. being kind of like constant because like the way that's presented in in media is you know you get one battle on one side and you get one battle on the other side and then they like smash into each other and yes, know, like so many stories about medieval are kind of like centered around that um in re- In reality, what I've read is that was actually exceedingly rare. Uh, armies <laughs> like did not want to confront each other at all because the loss would be too horrific yeah uh, cost of resource and e- even if you won you'd probably end up losing essentially yeah. um, <clears throat> which is why it was much more common to have like more siege tactics where you just like capture your enemy and contain them and not confront them directly um, So it's, like, interesting to, like, see that play out on film. Right. It's like, we have these two great armies, and then they don't want to fight each
1: other. They're still people. They They don't want to risk their (laughs) necks, right? Right. Yeah.
2: And, well, I think what you would see a lot is siege tactics, and it's also a lot about maneuvering and positioning. Mm -hmm. So you'd see a lot of, like, armies chasing other armies, right? And that's why, like, weather becomes really important when there's, like, the English Civil War. Like, weather was really important.
0: Yeah. And Mm -hmm. part of the reason the Civil War is so horrific is that the battle, like, the Armies were willing to engage right. in each other, and the results are incredibly horrific.
2: Right. Well, uh, and yeah. like the, the just proximity wise, they're closer to one another, and yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 Um,
2: so yes, we do we do see that here. You see it. I, I mentioned Ran earlier, but that's also just a, re, a really excellent Kurosawa movie that does this kind of stuff on an even larger scale. It's dealing with like kingdoms and and that kind of. Uh, subject matter
0: yeah which is funny because then the the main character here ends up engaging in more like sabotage than yes. he does like <laughs> out and out like fights but like fights do happen as like the climax of the film but he's but more like they're not that many he's more like messing with both sides <laughs> right Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> it's a lot about like negotiation tactics yeah <laughs> and things like that than it is about just being a better source it's kind
0: of about game theory really <laughs> yeah <Where> he's, like, <laughs> he's like bargaining different rates between the armies and, yeah. right and like
2: knowing your worth right like because you have that bit at the beginning where the guy offers him like three you know old japan dollars yeah and he, he's R- like rios rios, rios maybe yeah. I, don't, I don't know yeah. um but and he just, like, you have that long shot of him, like, he says, nope, that's not enough, and he stands up, and he w- starts walking out of the the classic, classic right. bargaining technique. And, and the guy just, just, like, keeps ratcheting it up until he ends up, starts at three, and he ends up at, like, 50. 50. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, all right. Uh, I, and then
1: you hear later that they hired two guys to assassinate someone for two silver coins, which is not even worth one gold coin. Right, yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I think that... And that he, like,
0: like, scoffs at them. <laughs> right, he, like, he's he's oh, he. like... He says something along the lines of, like, know your worth or something. Yeah. Right, yeah, yeah.
2: exactly. Yeah. Um, and then he ends up using them. Or it's, like, a shame or something. Yeah, yeah. They, they got scammed. right? Like, he, yeah. he says, like, you guys got played. You should go get more money for, from them. Yeah. Um, and then he kills one of them. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, like, I, I like that about the character, right, that, A, he starts at this place where he's not just a conventional hero looking there to come in there and save the day, but it is actually just like a guy kind of doing his job right in in the sense that he's just like in it for the money um, so i I like that about the character and again, it feels kind of novel for nineteen sixty 1960, yeah nineteen
0: sixty one um, really uh so there's like this giant character, yeah who has like a warhammer. Sound it's just kind of,
1: of present. He, a he looks of it looks like uh, Jaws from James Bond. Yes, yes. He does. <laughs>
0: And I'm like, can't wait to see that hammer, uh, hammer get swung. Yep. Never happens. No. It's like, damn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there were some things that I like wanted to happen that like we never end yeah. up seeing, and that was like high on my list of like re- really <laughs> want to I see some hammer that. time. Ready
1: for that hammer? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think yep. all he ended up doing was throwing the main character around a few times. Yeah. He, That's yeah. all the action he saw.
2: Yeah. When he gets captured. Um, yeah, he's the one that like really roughs him up in that room, and then, and then he hides out in the chest somehow, which is conveniently unlocked. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I like that about it. Uh, uh,
0: kind of an idea that's stolen from uh, for Fury Road. There's kind of the like giant son
2: oh. of uh-huh. of,
0: uh, uh, <laughs> of uh, uh, Immortan. Yeah, Immortan. Uh, I forget the name of the son. Right. But it's like very, very similar. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's like here's this big guy. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so yeah, the, the, the influence of the most direct, um, the movie that most directly drew from this one is of course Fistful of Dollars, um, which eventually became th- three movies. Um, most famously, Good, Bad and the Ugly is the middle one. Or the, I'm sorry, the third one. Um, I've seen that one. Yeah, I've seen that one. Yeah. Oh, we should put that on our list. And
0: what's the second one?
2: A few dollars more. Oh, I haven't seen the first two. <laughs> yeah. <then. laughs> um, famously made by Sergio uh, Leone. Um, and then the influence of this movie, of this movie, are the uh, John Ford and those, most directly John Ford. Um, so what I, one of the things I like about how this movie functions historically is that it, it's this linking movie, right? Like mm-hmm. it's this, it's this movie that kind of brings together old, old westerns and new westerns, but it does it in the East, mm-hmm. and I like that kind of universality of what this movie suggests, right? That these that these kind of stories can really fit in anywhere. And like these broad mm-hmm. ideas about adventure and like the one man against the wilderness and that kind of thing are almost universal.
0: It's traded back and forth several times too, yeah. right? Because it goes, um, it's the old Westerns. Tarantino also takes this up. In Japan, uh, Takashi Mike, mm-hmm. inspired by Tarantino, makes Western films. So there's this interesting like, Back yeah. and forth uh, thread. Yeah, yeah.
2: Well, and and there are. I mean, there are obviously influence. Jimbo y- y- influences movies beyond Fistful of Dollars. Yeah, obviously, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's influenced by movies other than High Noon. Yeah. But um, it, it, I love that about it. Like the, the tendrils of this film are so vast. Anime um, too. <laughs> um,
0: Trigon and. Special Trigon. Uh, Cowboy Bebop. Cowboy Bebop, yeah. of course. Um, Yeah.
2: I need to watch those. You do, actually. I haven't seen Target in a very long time, but we've talked about Cowboy Bebop at length before. Yeah. And
0: it's so good. It's such an incredible (laughs) document. But (laughs) it's it's good, like, because of this. Yep. Like, you can see its genealogy. Yeah, well, it's
2: it's another piece of media that is so eager to draw from other disparate sources, right?
0: Yeah, and you're like, um, it feels like, Star Wars it feels like sort of an extended Star Mm -hmm. Wars universe yeah but then you realize oh it actually just comes from from radio this which is where Star Wars comes from yeah which is why Star Wars feels like a Western yeah and I also Mm -hmm. think it's it's very
2: appropriate that this movie is coming out at the same time that the French New Wave is happening right cuz the 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 first French New Wave guys are also very interested in drawing from uh, American film breathless is really just the very, the, the French version of like a gangster movie, right? And so, I think you what what we're seeing with Yo, know, Jimbo, and with Godard and Uzo and a lot of these guys, is the monoculture of American cinema starting to reach the rest of the world much more easily, and those folks being those filmmakers being influenced by by those. Movies and then influencing us back with what they mm-hmm. with what they produce from them. Um, so he, he uh, Kurosawa here is is part of a really an international type of movement or influence coming from America, uh, and it, it's fascinating to think about that. I mean, I just I think that that it, it's so cool that these guys literally on opposite sides of the world can arrive at. Civ- C- c- very drastically different movies from very similar sources. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I like that about this movie. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: so you mentioned earlier that this movie kind of bridges the gap between old and newer, newer westerns. Yeah. Uh, now, obviously, I'm not that familiar with the westerns, so can you describe what the differences between old and new are? The biggest... So the
2: ones that we've watched are mostly newer. So, like, we haven't seen Stagecoach, which yeah. is really, like, the conclusion of... Or like the pinnacle of those type of old style westerns, um, High Noon probably falls in that category. I think it's also as well. the
0: switch from decade to decade. It's yeah. like sort yeah. of like pre nineteen sixty westerns and like post nineteen sixty
2: westerns. Right. Yeah. Right. So when I think, I think when you think about, you can look like My Darling Clementine, um, the the first Jesse, one of the first Jesse James movies, it's not the Brad Pitt one. Um, you'll see movies that are very concerned with man against nature, right? and man setting out against against the, the wilderness. Um, Including the, native people. Right, yeah, is. part of the wilderness there means Native Americans. Yeah. Um, the, the This idea of like a code of honor, like an unwritten, unspoken code of honor and comportment based on your social status, based on who you are in the society, and law versus justice, and the idea that law and can sometimes be in conflict with justice, and that it is just for you to take the law into your own hands.
0: Yeah, and it's it's like American hero worship, right? Yeah, or it's American mythology. Yeah, yeah. And, and it is, yeah. and that's
2: why we refer to it as a Western myth, yeah. right? and so I think you see, like, when Westerns peaked in the forties, a lot of those ideas being embraced unironically, where they were just presenting this as manifest destiny. We're going out there, we're asserting yeah. our dominance on Cowboys. the wilderness. just go out and shoot everything, right? Cowboys <laughs> yeah. and Indians type of movies, right? Yeah. Or and like I think that very s- obviously
0: evil bad guys right yeah. that black hat, yeah. white hat kind of thing
2: right. Whereas I think you see after stagecoach and uh, and again, I don't want to say it peeped with searchers, but searchers is obviously a major part of this, Westerns that start to critique those major yeah. ideas that other Westerns assumed.
1: Okay. And so I guess that's a pretty natural progression for genre. yeah and it
2: is and I, but the, I think it, it's so stark in Westerns because they lay out those concepts so clearly and so frequently, in their their earlier genres, like there were a lot of westerns being made. Yeah. In like the '30s and the '40s, a It was lot. like
0: the primary thing that was being made. Yeah, I mean, yeah. not
2: not in, like a literal majority kind of sense, but yeah. relative to other movies, like it was making up a major, major percentage.
0: And of, on TV, not yeah. film and TV. Yeah, exactly. But I th- I think what's unique to ujimbo at least initially is yeah. the the neutral character. Yes. Is, yeah. I was is, about to
1: say it sounds like they are at kind of the perfect inflection point between. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, you know, the unironic treatment of justice and, like, treating the cowboys in a more, like, anti-complicated, anti-hero, complicated anti-hero sense, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The,
0: the Han Solo character here, right, where he's just, <laughs> like, he's doesn't, he doesn't want, he's not here to, like, solve the problems, he's just collecting a paycheck. Right. Yeah. And...
2: I don't care about your war.
0: He's such a cool and interesting character because <clears throat> of that, right? He's right. He's, like, too cool for the stuff that's going right. and on. And he's yeah. he's
2: not Ethan in Searchers, yeah. right? where he, Ethan is definitely has, has things that we don't like, right? Like, he is mm-hmm. closer to a villain, and yeah. he, and he we, they draw parallels between him and the villain throughout the movie, yeah. which is not what happens here. I mean, Han Solo is a good comparison, because this is basically the Han Solo arc for this guy.
1: Yeah, right? you can tell that he's in it for profit, but that he has still limits right. of his morals, where it starts to kick in and it starts to matter. Right,
2: you, you think he doesn't care, but he really does, yeah. right? Yeah. Which is, again, a, a trope in its own right. But it is not the cowboy trope. And it is not the cowboy trope that we saw in the 30s and the 40s, right? And I think that that's important,
0: And right. it, it engages so well with the sort of knight or samurai it, like, archetype, right? The sort of like roaming to be bought yeah. uh, character, right. which and, is what Han Solo is, right? right. And, well, you yeah. see
2: that in the, the opening shot of this He's a movie. thug.
0: Yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah,
2: to be hired. But it's like, just that he is a guy that, like This is just an episode in his life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Like This isn't some major moment for him. And you see that because he, the first thing he does is he reaches a literal crossroads, picks up a stick, tosses it up in the air, and just <laughs> goes whatever way it points. <laughs> right? like, that's yeah. how he ends up in this town. Right? And then at the end of the movie... He's a rambling man. He's a, yeah, exactly. <laughs> at the end of the movie, he just kind of wanders off back onto the road somewhere. Right? like He doesn't have any kind of destination, he doesn't have any plans to stay in this town any longer. He's just like, well, I feel like I'm done here, and he is off to find some other adventure. Right? Yeah,
0: why Han Solo is so cool, right? Why, yeah. why Luke is fucking Cause, lame. Right, yeah, because like, yeah. there's this
2: sense of, uh, of uh, a freedom to the character that's very easy to envy. Right? Yeah. That, that he is a guy that can go anywhere, find some cool adventure, be successful doing it, look really cool doing it and then immediately just cut ties and go somewhere else and have some other cool adventure.
1: Yeah, it makes him bigger than the struggles of this entire town since right. it's just one it's just little a, episode.
2: Yeah, yeah, as opposed to these people, like it's this is the most important thing that will ever happen to him. For him, the central character in all these events, it's incidental, right? Literally an accident that he ended up here, right? So yeah, of course that's appealing, right? And of course that feels rad. Right? and <laughs> <laughs> We like that, right? But it's something that you would not see in earlier samurai movies or earlier westerns, right, where where the the rambling guy is much more typical white hat kind of do-gooder, he's the lawman, that kind of thing, right. Whereas the law here is is framed as as impotent, right, and almost absent.
0: The magistrate's been killed.
2: The magistrate's been killed. Um, Well, the the guy that he first meets yeah. says that he's the law and he like has some little symbol to indicate that and that's all we hear about it yeah. <laughs> right there's no other kind of sheriff equivalent in this movie
0: yeah well there's the like feudal lord character who would naturally be the controller right. of the area but he's like quite impotent because this gang has like taken over his
1: he's just his, a puppet right we had call him the mayor
2: i think and his his uh, office is contested right yeah there's there's somebody else there's there's two mayors i should be mayor right and and just so this idea that formal office isn't important what's important is that you can exert justice yourself right like you can be the one that decides what it is that is correct and by virtue of being the better swordsman um it's the case here yeah yeah um so what speaking of some of these uh, more minor characters like the guy that, I I want to call him a sheriff, even though I know that's not correct, (laughs) Um, but also like the restaurant owner. How do we feel about these smaller, like incidental
1: characters? I really liked how they used the co- the coffin maker to frame yes. the conflict in the movie. Yeah. So at the beginning, you know, the guy's complaining about how business is really good for the coffin maker because of the conflict. And it's banging all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then later in the movie, they talk about how, oh, you must be loving these times because everyone's dying. And he's like, no, this is terrible because they don't even buy coffins it's anymore. Too many bodies. Because there's too many people dying, right? And that was such a dire... Contrast to how he started the movie I thought that was a very interesting transition
2: yeah, and how like how well the these people are doing Tracks with how well the town is doing right mm-hmm. so like what you see like the yeah, you can see the
0: economic impacts on the town
2: Right exactly so you have this guy that is this restaurant owner who like is just giving away food because there's nobody there to buy it you have like this these silk market problems for these guys, you see that, that farmer character at the beginning of the film, who is unable to sell anything that he needs to sell because this town is in trouble. Yeah, women are forced into prostitution. Right, yeah. right, exactly. Yeah. Um, and so it, you see I, those characters kind of act as a, a barometer for the movie. Yeah, and right. just
1: the right amount of depressing to have the most successful guy be the coffin maker. It's just, right, right, it's so exactly. So emblematic.
2: Yeah. Um, so uh, you ever hear that the song "Slapwater Jack"? By Carol King, there's a line about that. Uh, the, the only the uh, the Undertaker is the only one that yeah. end up having <laughs> a good time. Um, so it's same thing here, right? And then like one of the major dramatic turning points is the, in the film is Gang A shows up to the economic center for Gang B and destroys everything, and then the inverse happens when they bust up the the Saki. Brewing place. Yeah. Um, so again, like they they ground this in really what materially affects these people, which is again very Western. It wants to literalize the the, the psychological and the emotional impact for these folks, right? It
0: was common theme in westerns too. Where right. It's like the once vibrant town is now like being oppressed by like this like outside gang. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly.
2: That's that's man who shall liberty balance. Yeah. Right? Another nice bridging western movie.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> also, um, the the comedy western. Um,
2: Paint your wagon. No, <laughs> the other one. Uh, <laughs> the other comedy wa- I don't know. It'll come to me.
0: Uh, the Spaceballs one. Oh, Blazing Saddles. Blazing Saddles. Blazing Saddles.
2: Okay, I was thinking like '60s.
0: Same '50s. Same base story in Blazing Saddles. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It is. Yeah.
2: And, the, and Mel Brooks got that from millions of other westerns before. Yeah. Right? Right, you have not seen Blazing Saddles, right? I have not. Okay.
1: I've seen Spaceballs, not Blazing, Blazing Saddles. Blazing Saddles is better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Blazing Saddles is hilarious. Yeah,
2: that movie's fucking great. Um, I don't know if it's, a, like, it's that or Young Frankenstein is probably his best. Young Frankenstein holds up
0: better, kind of? Oh, man,
2: I, I've seen Blazing Saddles fairly recently, and it was hilarious. Yeah. Like, it was still very, very funny. Uh,
0: they're, they're two classics. They're both great. That's yeah. the answer. They're yeah.
2: both great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There we are. Um, But yeah, so I I think that, I I like that the movie brings in all of these smaller, yeah, smaller characters, but uses them to inform this larger story. Um, It's well done. Uh, What do we think of the soundtrack? I I think I was struck by that on this viewing. Like, I hadn't noticed the music as much, but it was very present to me on this viewing.
0: I I was really intent on reading the text, actually, so I don't...
2: Okay, I feel yeah, like it it. kind of
0: muddles everything. right? Yeah, I yeah.
1: remember noting that the music sounded peculiar because it didn't feel that Japanese a lot of the time. I agree. Or maybe I'm just not familiar with Japanese music, I don't know. Yeah, I It mean, didn't I'd... feel stereotypically Japanese, I guess. It had, I guess I would describe it as a weird jazzy feel to it in a way.
2: Yeah, it had some of that. Um, what it felt like is that it, they took like a Maricone soundtrack and just played it with Japanese instruments. Yeah. Right, like like,
1: Westworld style.
2: <laughs> right. Yeah, kind of. Um so th- that that was the sense of it to me like th- that it's again this e- East meets West kind of yeah. influence in the soundtrack. Um and I found it much more striking this time than I had on on uh prior viewings.
0: Yeah, I mean, that that's like a common thing though where like sure. the thing that we think about is like actually filtered through you know, an orientalist perspective. Yeah. yeah. And so when Japan's presented in American media, it's presented one way, but then if you actually,
2: like, watch Japanese...
1: Right, that's why I say intense. I'm unsure if I know enough about Japanese music to say yeah. it doesn't sound Japanese. So yeah. Yeah.
2: Right, so yeah, you're, you are, of course, correct.
1: That was...
0: When, when I um, watched Godzilla or Gojira as as an adult, that was one of the most striking thing about that film was the sound design. Mm-hmm. It's okay. so incredible. Well, uh, yeah, like
2: the sound of the. Monster is yeah. so iconic. Yeah,
0: yeah, and that the way it's done in in the Gojira version and kind of stolen in Godzilla mm. is is astounding. It's, Are you talking yeah.
1: about the original?
0: Yeah, the or- original Godzilla Gojira. Yeah, the like Japanese version. Yeah. When did that come out? <sighs>
1: 50 50s. 50s. Like, Post yeah, i can G5. check if you give me a second. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <I> mean, <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, Very yeah. importantly, after that.
0: Um, and then the American version, which is a recut of Gojira, came out like a few years later.
2: Okay. Have you seen yeah. both? Yeah. How do they compare? Gojira's way better. Go- okay. Godzilla
0: doesn't make any sense because what they did was they took an existing film, shot additional. Scenes for American actors.
1: No. No. And then release that to American audiences. The the, the Power Rangers way. Yeah.
2: Power Rangers did that? Yeah. Yeah,
1: so like in Power Rangers they had the scenes at the school and stuff but all the action scenes were the Japanese ones. Oh, right. Okay.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that's true. So
0: 54 appears to be the original Godzilla.
2: So this is only seven years later.
0: Yeah. Yeah, because then... Yeah, yeah. So it, it worked uh, very similar to how Power Rangers worked. It was actually like a trailblazer for that. <laughs>
2: yeah. um, but for Godzilla, we would have no power. Yeah, Rangers. well they were just yeah. like
0: uh, uh Americans don't want to watch a, a Japanese film, so they like added this like this white guy to the plot and he yeah. ends up like being the savior. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, of course. Yeah. Uh that's that's very dumb.
0: Um It's still an interesting film. The original, though, is... That's a
1: little messed up, considering, like, the themes and what Gojira's responding to, right? To <laughs> it's right incredibly right. messed up. Yeah. It's entirely
0: based on racism. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, and the assumed racism of
2: everybody else, um, which was probably pretty true at the time. Yeah. I mean, it's contemporary
0: it's, with World War II. Right. Uh, so. yeah. Exactly my point.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, one of the things I, I, find, I found striking about this movie when I first watched it, and I still do, it's funny.
1: Like, there are multiple, yeah. like, <laughs> yeah. pretty
2: funny moments in this movie. Like, just seeing uh, the our hero jerk these guys around, right? Like, most of his interactions with the restaurant owner guy. Like, this movie has several
1: funny uh, There's some, funny some actively cartoonish characters. Like, yes. the younger brother in one of the clans with, like, the unibrow and yes. the funny expression. Yep.
2: Yeah, the, the guy who yeah, he's the one that has to think for a second to determine if four or two is the larger number. Yeah. and he's like counting it out on his fingers. Real, what, like such a broad joke, right? Like such an obvious joke. Like this guy's dumb, right? That's yeah. the whole thing. Um, but still, it worked. Like and it and it was amusing to me. And you remember, like that guy is immediately characterized by that. Yeah. Right. Like You don't need to n- really know anything else about him. It's like, he's the one that... That is, was the funny thing, right? Really I knew that
1: he was a dumb younger brother. I just didn't know who he was a younger brother of. <laughs> right, right. And that, but that's kind of all you need, right? I guess another problem was that many of the characters' uh, like class was denoted by their hairstyle, but that made them look more similar?
2: Sure. Because yeah. Yeah, the two true.
1: competing gang leaders had the same hairstyle.
2: Yeah. Which, again, I think that Kurosawa is saying... The, it, doesn't they the it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. Like they are the same.
1: Even
0: right? even some of the action is like, it's not totally clear, but it seems to be played for laughs, like some sure. of the action. Like the, the losing of the arm is like shocking, but it also is like, Oh, somewhat comedic. Like, right, because yeah. it, well, it's
2: preceded by those guys breaking about how great they are and showing off their tattoos and shit. And Tarantino's was, like, like very
0: tattoo. smart to pick up <laughs> on. like If you just push it a little bit yeah. more than you expect, it actually becomes funny, but it's also like traumatizing yeah. to look at. Yeah,
2: like, oh yeah. man, I shot Marvin in the face. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Or Perfect the,
0: the copying of like the blood splatter and the... Uh, yeah. 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 yeah.
2: Yeah, you're exactly right, and, and yeah, I think this movie does the same thing. And they, well, I don't think people remember it as funny; like they remember it as like classic Samurai movie I bet it was mm-hmm. shocking at the time I, yeah like the imagine. violence yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah like watching this in on 1961 must have been I,
1: I was pretty surprised when they first like the two gangs first faced off and they had the comical like playing chickens right and you have right? the one after laughing of at them right like yeah. he,
2: he also finds it funny yeah right? and I think like it kind of signals to us like yes it's okay to laugh at this movie yes it, we're supposed to be having a good time here
0: yeah yeah. yeah. And, and I I like that about it. Like There's such it. specific control of tone. I I can I can't imagine that. True. Kurosawa was not intending it to be funny. Like right. he must have meant it to be that way. Well, and this yeah.
2: is like he started making movies relatively late in life. Um but this one is still late in his career cuz he was born in 1910. Yeah. And this came out in 61. So he's he's Fifty-one years old here, yeah, mm. and so he he knows what he's doing, right? Like he has control of obviously he has control of his craft at this point, and he knows what effects this would have on the audience when he makes certain moves and does certain things. Um, so yeah, I feel like whatever you're feeling here is Kurosawa really pulling your strengths just right. <laughs> he knows what he's doing. Yeah, yeah.
0: Which again, th- that's what really makes it feel contemporary. Yes, yeah. like such control and intent to have a certain way of feeling, yeah.
2: Yeah, you, you are correct. And yeah. I think what we, we refer to as contemporary sometimes is really just good filmmaking, right? I think that's where it, <laughs> what it boils down to. It's timeless, yes. Yeah, like, the, like the, these techniques that are used to control the audience were the same, not the, literally the same techniques, but very similar techniques to ones that were used in the 1930s, right, in to, mm-hmm. to, and, and the 20s and earlier, to draw out similar effects from from the audience. Look at, we, we watched Modern Times, I think that's the oldest movie we've, we've watched so far. Like you can find similar techniques and tone control in that movie, just from a guy who's at the top of his craft that you would see in 1961 with Yojimbo and in you know, 1996 with Pulp Fiction, right? Mm-hmm. And so to me that, that doesn't necessarily signal modernity so much as it signals just someone m- making film with intent and consciousness and experience. Yeah, that's fair.
1: And like, since okay. it's done so well, like modern film draw from it, as we mentioned, right? So right. that's kind and, and of the, a chicken and egg sort of thing. Right. I, I would challenge
0: that. Like, it does feel like this film is pushing boundaries that we now take for granted. Right. Like, yeah, it, the, yeah. It's. That, I, I, I agree. That's to me where its contemporariness comes from. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, yeah. That
2: that is well heard. Um, yeah. yeah. So it, it's novel for its time and it it feels which is why it feels like it's appropriate for this time I hear you okay that's fair yeah well heard
0: Um, any closing thoughts we've gone a little long with this but I I think it's worth it yeah
2: it's a classic it's it's an important movie it's an important director great film Um, so Charles you weren't crazy about this one but uh, would you be open to any more Kurosawa if we yeah I'd say so I mean they're
1: important enough that I feel like I need to watch them and understand like the influences they've had on the film world
2: yeah the other what what other cool sound have you seen of liked?
1: Simon samurai
0: great, great it yeah. Is great, yeah, I think There's it's the good. reason it's been remade like eight times, yes,
2: mm-hmm. yeah, recently too, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I'd like to see more of the influences of star wars yeah that's Throne of blood then um which is also great because right. it's just you know it's have just you seen star wars then. um I think it's 30 Assassins or something, 13 Assassins. 13 Assassins. Yeah. Um, I think I have... I thought
1: there was, like, there was a recent remake of it <coughs> which I've seen.
2: Okay. I think you're right. Seven Samurai?
1: Of 13 Assassins.
0: That's a contemporary film. Oh, okay. And I thought it was a remake. It draws very heavily on okay. Seven Samurai.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: There was also a Seven Samurai that came out a couple of years ago with like every famous actor and apparently it was terrible. It was like Chris <laughs> Pratt and...
2: Yeah, it was a Magnificent Seven. Um yeah. it was the Western version. Which yeah. It, it was a, which technically is a remake ago, yeah. of Magnificent Seven from okay, the yeah, 60s. Yeah, yeah. Fair. Yeah. And then that was based on Seven Samurai. Yeah. Yeah. Tendrils. Yeah. Have you seen because um, he did contemporary movies too. Uh, Stray Dog, I think is the name of it. Oh, it's escaping me now. But that was uh, he, he also made movies that took they were contemporary for when they were made. Also really good, right? Like he has this reputation as being like the samurai guy. But he, he made a lot of movies. He has a huge catalog, and many of them are not period pieces. They're just stories about life in Tokyo in the 60s or 50s or whatever. Um, also great. Um, so, yeah, go watch more Star movies. We should all do that. Mm. All right. For mm-hmm. sure. For sure. And we'll be back in a moment with Things We've Seen. Thanks.
0: We're back with Things We've Seen. Charles, went you start us out this week.
1: Yeah, sure. So this past weekend, um, I saw The Dark Knight again, because it's the 10th anniversary, uh, because we're all getting old now, and it's been out for 10 years now. Um, And it was re-released on IMAX, so I made sure to go out of my way to see it that way. I considered watching this on Netflix, because it's on
0: Netflix right now. Yes. And I watched Eraser this instant. <laughs> that's you know, what I spoke about last week. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Uh,
1: but yeah, um, How was well, it? well, first of all, it, it's, it's still great. I yeah. still greatly enjoyed rewatching it. But uh, the IMAX scenes were super awesome. Like they have the full frame scenes for every time they fly over a city, yeah, that's which a lot. is stunning. Yeah. Um, like you could hear the crowd gasp when they did the Hong Kong scene, and so they're like flying over the city. They're like. Flying around the tower as he's getting ready to do the jump. I forgot there was a Hong Kong scene. Yeah, I forgot and about that too. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, the whole. Yeah, was it a great scene? It, yeah. It was yeah. awesome. And the the, the whole sequence uh, so he's like standing on the tower, the camera's spinning around it. He jumps off to the lower building and infiltrates in, gets the guy out. It's just so spectacular. Just, yeah. All those scenes look amazing. All the city shots, um, they look great. Um, the marquee action scenes are done in the full IMAX frame. Um, yeah it's worth seeing if you can I wish I could do it again because my seats I was at the furthest right seat it wasn't oh, ideal I hate that yeah, but like, <laughs> no. it, was, it was probably really hard to get tickets for that yeah. um, and I wasn't like the event planner um, but yeah so it was worth going out just to see that but it was interesting noting how much more complex the movie was than I remember I think uh, maybe it's just because I wasn't paying enough attention the first time I saw it and I was too busy being enraptured by the Joker's performance and things like that um, but I was trying to piece together, like, what the movie was trying to say and what it was about, right? And they start out the movie, and, like, you know, you guys have kind of colored my perception of it since we've <laughs> spoken about it. Yeah, it's <laughs> um, about <quite> George Bush. <laughs> and, like, it's all this stuff that I never really thought about, right? But, like, so they start off talking about how they needed Harvey Dent to be, like, the, the lawful and, like, elected uh, law official, um, to take the criminals off the streets, so that they don't need Batman anymore right. uh, to be this vigilante figure. Um, but then, as the movie goes along, you know things start falling more and more out of hand as they try to do things the right way, and they have to start trying to do things the wrong way and move outside of the law. And then, obviously, Harvey Dent, like you know, loses. Um, and so, I guess they're trying to say that you can't like be this goodie two shoes that's exactly what that movie says yes yeah. it's a
2: very conservative movie the
0: yeah and the uh so the spy system that they kind of tack on at the end right. which i remember when i first saw the film finding that very distracting because they're like they have this kind of like bond-esque explanation of like oh we can listen to every cell phone and yeah that allows us to like locate yeah. anybody in the city I found that explanation like very distracting, and it was meant to reference um, the Homeland Security stuff, where this is pre
2: Snowden, what like Patriot Act pre pre Snowden, yeah. Yeah.
0: But it was also seemed to be saying it's okay to spy on citizens. If you have a really good reason. If you have a really good reason and if it's in the right hands of somebody who has good intentions, which right. is the Morgan Freeman character. Right. And of right. course it
2: would be, right? Yeah. Therefore it should exist and we should have it. Yeah.
0: yeah. And it's like, okay, so we have the system that can be in-
2: incredibly
0: abused, but if we just use it for the for the right reasons, we're we're always gonna be in the right. And Morgan um, Freeman
2: has a line where he says that, right? It's yeah. like I don't feel good about this, but we're we'll destroy it after here or never use it again after this or whatever. It's, yeah. Of course of course, that's the, the conservative <laughs> just fantasy. Once. Just right? once. You just do it That's the conservative fantasy.
0: Yeah, and then they destroy it at the end, right? Right. Which yeah, is like do. never how the expansion of power works. Yeah. Uh, you can never go back. Yeah. And yeah, I remember being very distracted by that when I watched the movie to the point where we walked out of it. Every everyone that I saw it with was like, "Oh my god, that was that was great! Like best Batman movie I'd ever seen." I was like, "What? What, what about that? Yeah, what, what about, about that cell whole phone? What yeah. about that whole thing?" And
1: it's weirdly prescient considering the advancement of technology since the Dark Knight yes. came out. Yes. Um, yeah. So now, like our phones are even more advanced, and you know, they <clears throat> release they release way more information about us than. The sonar ever could yeah right because the sonar like you know it reveals where you are i guess in your surroundings but they don't give people the deepest you know details of your life like phones do now and (laughs) things are getting even more severe than that system ever could have imagined right well it's a weird side plot too i remember
0: thinking that it this whole plot is not necessary to finding the joker who wants to be found yeah like he puts himself out in the streets like he's not hiding like yeah. you can go find him well it, it's
2: <laughs> it, it is the moment that most clearly crystallizes Nolan's Tory politics yeah right because i think it was i mean you could maybe read it as either ambiguous or incidental before that cuz like all superheroes are kind of conservative uh, but that moment i think is it's him like sending a pretty clear message that yes, I am right-wing, so is Batman, and that's good, right? And, like, that is...
0: Which is fine, but that's what yeah. the film is saying. Yeah, that's like,
2: very obviously what the film's about. And
0: I don't think people understand that. Well, yeah, because it,
2: it's embedded. It, but They don't understand that it is a right-wing idea, but they yeah. certainly understand the messaging, right? Because these are all, like, the, the idea of... You know, you need a symbol, right? Like that whole kind of thing. A very, you know, authoritarian kind of right-wing notion has been embraced enthusiastically by many, many people, right? Mm -hmm. Obviously. Elon Musk is a great example of this. Elon Musk is a great example of this, (laughs) yes.
0: I... I, I don't know if this is intentional, but and this is not an original idea to me at all. But I've I've seen people write up like pretty long write ups about how the like the Joker is the actual hero of the movie. Okay. because um, he's like oh. he's fighting a corrupt, uh, <laughs> political system. Right. Um, and he's, as well as organized crime. Yeah, it, yeah. He's he's kind of like working like outside the system in a way, whereas like Batman is like reinforcing the bad parts of the system. Like he protects the the corrupt mm-hmm. and and yeah, so that's interesting. I don't know if I like totally agree with it, but
2: yeah, it, it's, it's, it's like certainly not the intent of the film. But no. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, yes, you are correct. Uh, they're not making a, a standalone Joker movie with uh,
1: <laughs> please why yeah with uh, with Jared Leto
2: no with Joaquin Phoenix wait yeah. they, they changed it yeah because yes.
1: initially it was going to be Jared Leto's Suicide Squad Joker and it's not a- Alec Baldwin okay. just joined the film too
2: a- yeah Alec Baldwin that's is weird. playing Batman's dad that came out like today yeah like yeah. today what, but he, he, he died well, I guess that's going to uh, this Isn't is not a- the whole point I don't know. I haven't seen what is this? Movie. <laughs> yeah,
0: I was really, I really wanted to know about Batman's parents. I've never heard that story. Right. Before. Exactly. What's, <laughs> what, what happens to them again? <laughs> yeah,
2: it's not crystal clear.
1: Some, something else that stood out more to me about the Dark Knight on this viewing is how cheesy and maybe meaningless a lot of the dialogue is. Yeah, probably. Because people always talk up the the like hero we deserve versus the hero we need. Quote. Yeah. Uh, or, Feels the, so or the or yeah. the uh, monologue at the end about how he's like a dark knight and like the <laughs> that, that whole like extended <laughs> speech the night right before the dawn <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And, and
0: like the night is darkest before the dawn just, not true
1: by the <laughs> <yeah>. way <laughs> it felt so cheesy rewatching it and like you know when when you think about it for a second you're not really sure what it really means i, I don't know what it means speaking <laughs> of tim
0: burton last week the harvey dent piece of this felt to me, upon rewatch, like, why are we going here? Like, we don't need this, like, 2 face. Yeah, card. I think people like, oh.
1: people tend yeah. to complain about that side of the story. Yeah. I mean, he's supposed to represent, like, idealism and how he got corrupted and all that, yeah. right? How, it yeah, looks how terrible, it's too. Those <laughs> effects, the um, face but effects look I terrible. I found his acting to be really funny because, like, or, he or would... Or, yeah, the yeah. character, well, I mean, his his choices, I guess, because yeah. he would kind of have these, like, loud outbursts out of nowhere all the time. Well, they, um,
2: they cast. I think they cast him because he does the Harvey Dent side really well, right? And I don't know if he ever really figured out the, the
1: right. Side. It just was comical. Yeah. Like there's that like really great tweet about he, how he doesn't recognize the Joker when he's disguised as a nurse <laughs> until he takes his face thing <laughs> yeah. off and he goes like ah, yeah. <laughs> and his yeah. reaction is just so sudden. Yeah, it's like wait a it's minute. Comical. <laughs> yeah. um, um, it's so. a shame because
2: I think that Aaron Eckhart is. Generally, a really, really good actor. He's a great actor, and I haven't yeah. seen much of him recently. And but they, ashamed. I guess, they
1: pushed him a bit out of his range here. Uh, it's something. He, yeah. um, it would have been great if they
0: just set it up like, oh, here's Harvey Dent, and then they just like don't do the two face thing, <laughs> right. just to like mess Save with the, the audience. One. I like, I like stuff like that where yeah. it's like a wink to like the larger universe yeah. here, and it, it's just like a really the, the movie to me meanders. A lot. It's long. In, in ways that are not good to the film. Yeah. Like the Two Face, whole Two Face thing, not necessary. Um, Catwoman, too, right? No, that no, was the, that next the next one. That third one. Oh, it, although, okay. yes,
2: that, that was superfluous in that movie. Yeah. That's a bad movie, though. That's a bad, really bad yeah. movie. Yeah. I don't like that movie. Yeah. Yeah,
1: that, yeah. That was such a disappointment considering yes. I thought the first two Batman movies in the trilogy were really good. They, they were. Yeah. It's, it's akin to the.
0: First Star Wars prequel. <laughs> oh my God! I don't know, I, I don't it's know, it's not that hard of a drop yeah. off, but yeah. it's it's not a good film. Yeah, yeah.
2: I, I, it's more like the third Spider Man movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah there I, we go. I think that's a big fall from that games. is a much yeah. better comparison. That's probably
0: where we are. Um, um. Love me some Gary Oldman though. Yes. Yeah. Um, anything he's in. He's in a lot of things. He's in a lot of things. Except for the Churchill
2: movie, I'm not going to watch that. I still haven't seen it. I'm sure he's great in it. Didn't he win Best Actor for that? Probably. He put on a lot of makeup, so it's a pretty safe guess. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. (laughs) Uh, Have you seen Thank You for Smoking?
1: I have not. Have you seen Thank You for Smoking? Yeah, yeah.
2: We should put that one on. That's a great movie. Yeah. We should put that one on. Damien is super good. And that's a good Eckhart movie. Uh, Have you seen In the Company of Men? Yeah. Okay. That's another good Eckhart movie. Uh, Maybe even better and darker. Um, Anyway, I saw a movie this week too. It was Searching, I saw Searching this week. Um, so I'm gonna do my very, very best to spoil absolutely nothing for you, Charles, because I know you wanna see this movie. Yeah, um,
1: I was sad that I didn't have time to see it this week because I wanted to say, like, this this is the first time in history anyone's been able to watch two Asian movies in a row, but, <laughs> um, well, here yeah, we are. I didn't have the time to get to it. That's probably true, though. Yeah. <laughs> um,
2: so yeah, uh, it stars John Cho um, as a father who has misplaced his family. Um, the entire movie... Oh, I heard this was good. N- at, nah, I, I had a lot of problems with it. Um, um, so I like
0: just saw the trailer, because the trailer was in front of 8th It's grade. a good trailer. Yeah, it is.
2: Yeah, it, <laughs> you know, I went and saw it, and it's at like a 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. So yeah. I'm going to give a tepid review, and I will be in the minority, so sure. take it with a grain of salt. Uh, the gimmick is that the entire movie takes place on computer screens. right? So you never have, that the camera never leaves <laughs> the screen. Right. So I this not know that. Yes. <laughs> so um, the this is similar to um, unfriended if anyone remembers uh, that yeah, movie. Yeah,
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, also the, similar to At least this paranormal. one didn't choose a tech name. Yes. <laughs> so that it doesn't age immediately. Was it? <laughs> right. There
0: was like an early aughts internet horror film, too. Uh, right. Fear.com. Yes.
2: Oh, my God. Also <laughs> With a haunted
0: that. website. <laughs> yeah.
2: Oh, my God. So this is like that. Also <laughs> I heard Unfriended was good, though. I haven't seen Unfriended. Or the yeah. sequel, Unfriended again. I don't know. Um, uh, paranormal Activities does a similar move, where it's all shot from the camera, and you're yeah. only at the camera. Yeah, but that, yeah. It's different. Similar yeah. different. Um, this movie, it's on multiple computers. Uh, the sense that I got from this movie is that the director showed up with this concept that said, I want to shoot a movie that's only on computer screens and worked backwards from there to, like, contort a story into that mm. framing device. <laughs> and it is to the detriment of the film. This movie would have been improved if it were not told entirely on computer screens. Um, the first,
1: like... It seems very confining.
2: It, it was. It was. That's exactly what it was. It was very claustrophobic. So the first act, when he's doing most of like the research into trying to figure out what happened to his daughter, which is done online, works reasonably well, right? Like, cause he's in his house all the time. But as soon as he has to leave his house, predictably, the movie kind of falls apart. Oh boy! <laughs> because you have to like. You got to learn when to let go of that kind of thing. Then. Right, or to just not do it, because. Then you have to, like, use...
0: Is you, it, like, live streaming or, like...
2: Yeah, there's some of... There's a lot so yeah, of...
0: All right, get those hearts going. I'm everyone okay. everyone uses FaceTime. <laughs> and, and numbers,
2: like. Everyone uses FaceTime. Which Not, only wacko people right, use Right, only FaceTime. crazy people use <laughs> yeah. FaceTime. Um, like your a, grandma uses FaceTime. Right. Like um, <laughs> <laughs> everyone has a great internet connection with really high-quality video that never drops, except when it's, you know... I love that that that's
1: something that all the sci-fi movies of the past got wrong. We do have video calls, and nobody wants (laughs) to use it.
2: it. (laughs) This is something that David Foster Wallace got right in in, um, Infinite Jest, but we can dig into that later. Um, So he he has to use FaceTime all the time. We get a lot of information communicated through newscasts. Um, So, like the person looking at the camera and telling things to us. There's a really contrived sequence where he sets up a bunch of webcams in somebody's house... And then, like, acts out some sort of crap that he has for them, so we can we get it through that. <laughs> um, so it, it really, really doesn't work. There's a moment where there's like, um, uh, okay, that's close to a spoiler, so I'll avoid it. But there's another very s- contrived moment. Um, is this
0: similar to Phone Booth?
2: Um, phone, I saw Phone Booth. I saw. call in. the, it, Colin, uh, yeah, the Colin Farrell, Farrell movie. Colin Farrell movie. Um, I feel like this is. I, I don't remember Phone Booth that well because I saw it in like 2003 or whatever. It's just like a one act play that takes place in the phone booth. Um, right. Um, it's no, like revealed over If it over time. were more like yeah. that, it would be a better movie. Because it makes okay. sense for that entire movie to take place in the phone booth, right? Like yeah. that's what's happening. It, same with like, Locke that came out a few years ago with um, Tom Hardy. With Tom Hardy, right? Yeah. It makes sense for that whole movie to be in his car, right? And there's like a reason for that to happen. Yeah. Well, this movie, it doesn't make sense for all of this to be on a computer screen. And it would have been better if they just shot a convention. They
1: just wanted to do it and see, see if they could do it. Right. So they I think that the, they, they're
2: mistaking form and function here. And I think part of the reason that they're doing that is that there really is no central idea in this movie. No, the idea right? mm-hmm. is like,
0: hey, like kids like phones. Let's tell a horror movie on a phone yeah. phones or like is a too thriller much. on a phone. Yeah, whatever. exactly. Yeah, and, and, which is fear.com, right? Right. Where it's and, like, hey, you hear this thing, the internet? Yeah. Like, <laughs> what if it kills you? Let's a horror movie <laughs> <on>
2: the <that>. www. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're dead. Yeah. Uh,
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, like, I think the major, perhaps even more fundamental problem than. The framing device or gimmick is that this movie doesn't know what the hell it's talking about, mm-hmm. right? Like, it, it it doesn't know if it's saying technology brings us further apart, closer together. It's isolating. It's informing us. It's networking us. It is which, a form of deception. It isn't a form of deception. Like, it's all over the map.
1: Maybe that's what <laughs> it's saying, right? Technology is just there,
2: right? But, yeah, but it's not. <laughs> I'm, I'm, kidding. I'm yeah, kidding. Obviously, but <laughs> okay. it, like,
0: contrast with eighth grade, right? Which is so much about technology
2: and and it has a
0: very clear concept and take around how technology affects people. This
2: movie doesn't. It has no clear message about anything. Which
0: isn't entirely damning, too. Right. It's great. It's like if it's used in this... eighth grade a great movie It creates a great movie it,
2: it, yeah. great movie. it yeah. handles it's tertiary ideas better than this movie handles it's central ideas um, yeah. and it is a bummer because John Cho is a really good actor yeah. he's really good in this uh, Deborah Messing is in this as well and she's fine um, but mm-hmm. John Cho has to carry the show like it's really just like his face you know FaceTime thing yeah. the whole movie I need to see he more does a really John good show. job
0: he'll survive this people seem to like this film though so I know I, yeah. I think
2: that like Richard Brody, who is a film critic for The New Yorker, um, wrote about this movie and his take was similar to mine and one of the points that he raised is that he thinks critics are enamored with directors who can follow constricting rules well yeah and this guy does that he, do, he manages to tell this whole story with this like arbitrary set of rules right and that can be that can appear impressive right even if it is really just distracting from the fact that this movie's not very good um, <laughs> and I think that may be the effect here. I think that if you were to look back on this movie in even a year or two, without this, you know, without looking at a 96% on Rotten Tomatoes and people saying, "Hey, go see Searching," it's this novel movie about mm-hmm. computers or whatever, it, no one will understand why this is so popular. Mm-hmm. The, there's no way this movie stands the test of time. Yeah. yeah.
1: Although I do want to get in a bit about the representation of Asian-Americans in this movie because I think it might resonate more with me than Crazy Rich Asians did. Sure. Uh, and it's a bit ironic because it's from what I hear, at least, of the movie, that it's the exact opposite way of representing Asian-Americans on film, because Crazy Rich Asians brought their Chineseness to the forefront, and yeah. that was the entire focus of the movie, is them contending with the Chinese side of their culture, whereas in this one, it's the exact opposite. The fact that they're Asian um, plays no part in the movie at all, from what I hear. That's correct. Um, and so they're essentially just the characters in the movie trying to solve their conflict, right? And I think that's more close to what I'm looking for, um, because like, my central struggle being a Chinese-American is not being seen as Chinese, essentially yep. just being seen as another American. And so this style of representation, I feel, is much more important to me than uh, what was in Crazy Rich Asians. So I really want to go out and support this movie and support this type of um, you know, Asian-American casting and film.
2: Yeah, you absolutely. That is exactly how they play it, um, is that they, they never mention John Cho or his family being Asian? Period. It just doesn't. That's happen. good. Yeah, she's that's not, refreshing. She's not a kid with like a bunch of Asian friends. Yeah. Like that's not a thing. She has white friends. She has Asian friends. Whatever. Um, and so yes, it, 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 the movie definitely deserves credit for that. Um, and again, it's 94, 96 percent whatever on Rotten Tomatoes. So you might go see it and love it because I'm you know <laughs> in the six percent here. So. Sure. Could, it's really that, that high? I, I knew it was high, it, it's, but it, it's like mid nineties. Yeah, <sighs> interesting. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so again, I could be totally wrong. Other people could watch it and have a, a totally different reaction, and more power to them. I hope they like it. Yeah. Yeah. What are we watching next week, Crossman? Uh, I
0: would like to watch Goodfellas.
2: Okay, that is a. You said you promised us a long movie during the break, and you're right. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I think this is
2: overdue. Yeah. yeah you're right. We've yeah. done. Far worse films <laughs> and far less important films. Yes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you're you're correct. This is overdue, um, and it's just great. Good films is always fun. Well, we'll see. Oh, okay. I guess we will see. Well, I mean, Charles <laughs> hasn't seen it. That's so true. I haven't seen That's it. true. Um, in any case, uh, thank you for joining us. Um, if you like the show, please share it with people. Uh, we're on iTunes. We're on Google Play. We're on Facebook. We're on SoundCloud. Um, feel free to reach out to us with questions, critiques, suggestions for movies, uh, comments. We're happy to hear them. And join us next week for Goodfellas.